Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Uh, you know, it, we are gathering together physically here, and we're so excited about that. I am going to train you all to be Pentecostal again. So when I clap, we all clap together. Come on. There we go. All over the room. One claps. We all clap. Uh, each of you is representing 10 to 12 people. So I'm going to need you to, you know, preach back at me. Give me an amen and clap for me this morning. We're praying for, uh, we have several people at Revival Life who are uh, recovering from surgery or been recovering from illness. And uh, we're praying for all of you today. And uh, on that same note, I know there's many people who have to stay uh, going to church online. I know you want to be with us in person. Uh, but at Revival Life, we're just trying to honor every person who needs to be uh, health, uh, excuse me, uh, sensitive to health concerns in this season. And so we've put a whole bunch of work and money into our online service. Hopefully it's going well for you. But if you are home watching the service, we need you to serve online. We need you to serve. You need to serve, but we need you to serve. We need online greeters and there's other things you can be doing online. So um, right now, if you're not serving in one of our services, even if you've been with us 10 years, if you're not serving somewhere online or in person, go ahead and text RLC Serve to 97,000 and get involved right now. We have people who just can't come here physically, so people are doing lots of jobs. We're doing a lot of work to try to make this happen for the people who have to stay home, and we just ask, you can serve as well, and we need you to. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. We're in our Do Justice message series. I hope you've enjoyed it, because uh, we're not done yet. Um, we are today, we're going to talk, uh, we're finally getting up to restorative justice, restorative justice. And when we talk about justice, uh, the, the very <clears throat> term of justice requires us to understand that we're all interconnected. Nobody is alone on this planet. Uh, and in becoming followers of Jesus, we become part of God's people. So we're even more interconnected now than we ever were through the blood of Jesus. And so as we talk about being interconnected, we have obligations to one another. You say amen. We have obligations to one another. And one of the obligations that we have to one another is making wrongs right. We have to make wrongs right. God has an expectation of how we're supposed to treat other people. We don't get to just make up the rules as we go along. This isn't a pickup basketball game where we all call our own fouls and whatever we do whatever's right in our own mind. Uh, God, there's an expectation of how we treat one another. And as we read the Word of God, as we've been doing throughout this series, we've been talking about how God expects us to treat one another. And we have noticed that there is a special deference that God expects us to give to the hurting. There's a special deference that he expects us to show to the poor, to the widow, to the prisoner, to the orphan, to children in general, to the feeble-minded, those uh, who are impaired somehow. God expects us, as the people of God, to treat these people well. And not only treat them well, we're supposed to look for them to do justice to these people. 
We're supposed to look for them, we're supposed to notice them, and we're supposed to treat them well. God calls that being righteous. And righteousness is not just something we think. It's not just a way of thought. It's not just coming into salvation with Jesus. It's actually how we behave with other people. We don't earn our salvation, amen? Uh, But we're supposed to act like we're saved. We're supposed to behave like people who've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We're actually supposed to do justice and act in righteousness. And God calls our behavior when we operate within his rules of conduct being righteous. And so if we're going to understand God's justice, we don't need to go to the law books. We don't need to go back to the Magna Carta or uh, any old um, doctrine that we see from the early church. If we're going to understand God's definition of justice, we're going to understand how he looks at justice. We need to look back to the cross. It is on the cross of Calvary that God displayed his definition of justice by having his son nailed to the cross that our sins could be forgiven and we could come into right relationship with God. Can you say amen? Can you thank just God that he did this for us? So when we start talking about what we as Christians believe is justice, we have to look at what God did to obtain justice. Where he could have judged us and burned us and scorched the earth, Instead, he sent his son to die on a cross that whoever should believe in him will not die but have everlasting life. This is God's crazy, scandalous view of justice. It doesn't make any sense. I just had a, um, <clears throat> I had a, a wonderful Jewish man who I know well. He's, he's not a believer. and He would call himself a humanist first and a, and a Jew second. Uh, and there's, when you discuss God's righteousness uh, with people of, of the covenant of, of, of Jews, either cultural or religious, it almost always goes to Hitler, right? And they say, well, if Hitler, you're saying if Hitler, because Hitler in the Jewish eye is the most evil person who could have ever lived. And I don't know that we need a ranking. We just know he was evil. I don't know if there could have been people worse. I don't know. But if Hitler asked for forgiveness on his deathbed, are you saying that he would go to heaven? To that, I would answer, this is not a simplistic thought. It's not a simplistic question because we know only God controls who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. As much as we, as uh, Pentecostals, and we as Protestants believe that we're just one prayer away. The Bible says no one can call upon the name of the Lord unless the Holy Spirit empowers him. So we know that salvation actually comes from God. And we don't know. We don't know what happened there at the end. I do know that in Judaism, there has the Day of Atonement that they call upon the Lord and they spend a day fasting and repenting of sin. And nowhere in the Old Covenant does it say that there's certain sins you can't repent of. We just know that if a Jew on the Day of Atonement takes part, in that day of atonement, that their sins are forgiven. And in Christianity, we just take it one step further, and we say every day should be the day of atonement. Every day is the day we should repent of our sin. And we believe that if Holy Spirit has empowered you to repent, that the Lord hears your prayer and unites you with God. We we know that tomorrow is not promised, and we know we can't say who ascends and, and descends. 
But we do say that this is God's idea of justice from the beginning. That people would repent, there would be a, a sacrifice for that repentance to bring us into oneness with God and that we would be atoned at one moment made one. This is God's idea of justice, that we would turn and be united with him. Can you say amen? That's a good word, and I'm so thankful for it. But here's the question that we have to wrestle with as believers and as people on this planet. What do we do with injustice? How do we deal with injustice in general, but more specifically, how do we deal with injustice that happens to us? Now, I believe that coronavirus is a form of injustice. This is unjust. It's not godly. But yet we still honor people uh, who, who've been afflicted with it. We don't say because this injustice comes upon you, you are now unjust. We say it's an unjust situation that you're in. And we as a church are encouraging people to stay home if that's what they're comfortable with and to come to church if you're able to. But let me say this, as we get into uh, restorative justice and making things right and healing relationships as God wants to do, uh, it's, it's super important uh, because some of you have been in unjust relationships and you're glad you're not in them anymore, right? And so when we talk about God's justice and we talk about God making all things right, there's something you really we need to start off with. And I hope you're taking notes today or if you're the photographic memory type, you're going to really enjoy it. I got a lot of information to share. This is the first thing I want you to see. Go ahead and put it up. Not all relationships are supposed to be restored. Can you say amen? Not all relationships. There are sinful relationships, and God is never trying to restore sin. Say amen. There are people uh, online for sure, and in this room, I would imagine that you have been in an abusive relationship. You've been in a relationship where maybe you were sexually or physically or emotionally abused or financially abused. You were literally held under someone else, and when you hear God's heart for restoration, you think, you finally got out from under them, and in your mind, you think God wants you to come back into that relationship, and there's nothing further from the truth. There's nothing further from the truth. God, amen, amen. God never wants us to be under the weight of sin and oppression again. Our God is a God of liberation. He is a God of freedom. He sets captives free. Amen. He never wants to bring you back into captivity. That's never his desire. And he's not trying to restore an old power structure that robbed you of power. Healthy relationships have both apologies and forgiveness. Healthy relationships have apologies and forgiveness. And he's not trying to restore you to a relationship that doesn't have that dynamic. Now, here, God may be delivering you from an unhealthy relationship by him telling you all relationships don't have to be restored. But he may be restoring or delivering someone else from you as well. Can, can we be honest? There are relationships where we have been the unhealthy person and God is like, yeah, no, I just don't, I don't want to restore that at all. Because God is merciful, not just to us, but to other people. I'm, I got bunny trails I'm going down today. I'm going to try not to go down too many. We fear sometimes that God is going to give us something we don't want or we don't like. You get this with single people a lot. They're like, what if God brings me somebody I'm not attracted to? Like, this is, this is how single people think, right? What if God brings me somebody I'm not attracted to? You say, and I'm like, do you think God is going to bring someone to a marriage and say, hey, I'm going to give you to this woman, but she's not going to be attracted to you? Like, God cares about them more than to give them you. 
right? When it's God, you'll know. And they're like, well, how do I know? Well, you'll fall in love and you'll be attracted to the person. You'll be so attracted that you've got to get married to stay out of sin, right? That's how you'll know. Amen. 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 But when we talk about restorative justice, we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about relational justice. And again, it's super important that we remember that the cross of Jesus Christ defines restoration. One person is willing to give up their rights to restore someone else. Someone's willing to go low to help somebody else come up. The definitive manifestation of God's saving justice is the cross of Calvary. Can you say amen? This, is, this has to be it. This has to be the base level. The Bible literally says that the manifestation of God's saving justice is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see this in Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17. Paul wrote about it. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. Right? It is the power. Verse 17, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. In this good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that is the manifestation of the righteousness of God. And so, I want to talk today in our few remaining moments of steps that we need to take in restoring broken relationships. And this is going to be kind of a two-part message. This week, I'm going to talk about what I need to do if I'm the one who's broken the relationship with my sin. Next week, we're going to talk about what the person who's been sinned against their responsibility, all right? So we're going to come at it from both angles. So if you think this is one-sided today, it is, right? That's, that's literally what I'm doing. There's two sides. I'm going to do one side today and the other side tomorrow. Are, are you with me? You're with me? Good. Thank you. Hallelujah. Now, <clears throat> I, I believe some of you have probably seen this before as I have on the interwebs. There's this Japanese uh, pottery style called kintsugi. Kintsugi. Kunsugi. I don't know. I don't speak Japanese, but that's what it's called. And there's no, there's an English kind of translation to it, but I like butchering the Japanese better. All right. So when a pot normally breaks, uh, what a potter generally does is they grind some of the same type of ceramic and they make a type of glue with it. And then they kind of lacquer over the whole thing. So you can't see the cracks. This is how most of us deal with sin and offense. We want to cover it up, put things back together like it never happened. But let me show you what they do in this style is they get the cracks, they get the broken pieces, and they mend them together with, a, with ceramics mixed with gold. And so when you put it back together, you see where it was broken, except now where you see what was brokenness, you see gold shining from it. Right? This is what God does in our brokenness. In our brokenness, he doesn't say, look, you're just going to hide it now and let's act like it didn't happen. He says, no, no, I am going to come in with my grace into your brokenness and it's now going to shine like gold where you used to have to hide it from the world. Now you'll show it off and it will actually bring God glory. See, this is how God heals relationships. This is his heart for broken relationships. He wants to fill those places in a way that you don't forget it happened. But it doesn't hurt anymore. And as a matter of fact, it brings glory. Amen? And this is what we're going to talk about today in our few remaining minutes as my clock doesn't stop moving here. Here's what we need to understand. Sin, 
Sin is a violation of relationship. This is the bottom line with what sin is. Sin violates relationship. And it's a violation of interpersonal trust. Sin is a violation of relationship. When you sin against God, you have broken your relationship with God. You, you have damaged your relationship. You said you would do one thing and you did something else. I'm posing for a picture. You get it? Are we good? Excellent, excellent. We're just family in here today, right? We could just be family. We got, like, I don't know how many people online right now. I'm glad that we're here, though. Sin is a violation of relationship. It's a violation of interpersonal trust. And once that trust is broken, our central obligation is to put right what was wrong. That's our job, the ones who sin. Watch this in Isaiah. This isn't a new, new concept. In Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17, here's what Isaiah says. It says, and the work of righteousness, watch this, the work of righteousness, we'll say it together, the work of righteousness, you see there's an action to it, It's not just a mind frame, the work of righteousness will be peace, and the service of righteousness, quietness and confidence forever. Now we see this, there's a, a working, and then there's a, a service, go on, then then, say then, then my people will live in a peaceful habitation and in secure dwellings and in undisturbed resting places. There's something we have to do to obtain these things. We can't just confess it. We can't just think it. We can't just stand on the word. There's actually a work and there's a service that is involved if we're going to actually live in the peace that we get from righteousness. We have a role to play in all of this. And I think we're going to help some relationships to get today. And so, uh, Take, take that into account as we run through this really quick. What do we do? What's our responsibility? What's our obligation once relationship has been broken by sin? Here, here's the first step. <clears throat> the first thing we need to do once we have sinned against someone else, and this is an internal job, right? It's an inside job. We need to admit you were wrong and don't blame other people for your actions. First thing, admit you were wrong and don't blame other people for your actions, don't blame your anxiety, don't blame your depression, don't, don't blame your worries, don't blame that you got hurt as a child, don't blame that your mama didn't kiss you enough, don't blame the economy, don't blame Trump, don't blame Pelosi, don't blame other people for your sin, right? We are fully autonomous and we have the power to make our own decisions and control our own lives like, oh, they made, they made me angry, nobody made you anything. God made you in his image and you get to decide what you do with that. You decided to be angry. Nobody made you angry. Oh, I'm just I'm trying to reel it in here. I'm not going to go down uh, bunny trails. You can't say, I did this because you did that, right? I, well, you talked to me that way, and so I, you, you, you made me because you, no, no. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control, Right? And, and, and so we have to decide, I'm, I'm not only going to be in control of myself, I'm going to be responsible for myself. I'm not going to blame my behavior on someone else. And the Bible doesn't say if someone gets, sins against you, then it's okay to sin. So you by saying, well, I did that because you did this, says I admit that I'm a sinner, but I do it on purpose and I don't repent. And that's a, that's a problem theologically for Christians, right? Like for us, that's a, that's a problem, right? It's, uh, it's different when we're sinning on purpose, right? It's one thing when we're sinning in ignorance, but when you say, well, you did this, that's admitting I sinned on purpose. 
And we don't want to be that person. We, 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 we want to be people who can be corrected and can live in love. Now, even if the person that you are talking to will never admit they did something wrong, don't let that affect your relationship with God. Don't let that affect your relationship with your own integrity. Right? Don't, don't become a person who projects on the other people because you're tired of being blamed for their problems. Right? So the first thing we need to do is we need to admit we did something wrong. We need to, we need to recognize it and not blame it on other people. Second thing, we need to recognize the hurt you caused with your sin. Why? You violated love. You violated love and you need to recognize the hurt that you did with your sin. One of the most painful parts, my, my, my children have kind of grown through this now, which I'm so thankful for. One, one, of, the, one of the painful parts of raising children is um, they don't, uh, they get to a certain age and they don't feel like they need to protect the relationship. They just assume that the relationship isn't going anywhere. So they can just act as crazy and as hurtful as they want and they don't go anywhere. Like they haven't reached the emotional maturity to know that, you know, at some point I can kick you out of this house, right? <laughs> you are storing up wrath for the day of vengeance, right? Like you don't recognize this. You don't recognize it right now. And I talk to some marriages and I'm like, you understand that person can actually leave you if they want to. It would be sin, but they can. And so let's act like we're in relationships we want to keep together. Let's put in the work to keep. Now, when your child is a child and they act like they don't care about your feelings, well, you got to put up with it because that's part of being a parent, right? Being an adult and then being a child. Now, when they get older, 18, 19, 20, and they don't care about your feelings, you get to say, well, I've done my job now. I feel like it's time for you to go into the world because I do not want to be treated rudely anymore, right? Like that's all right as, as adults, right? Like if you get a roommate and you let them sleep on your couch and they don't get off the couch in the morning, you get to say, well, I feel like the time has come for you to move out, right? Like that's what you, and so once, once your child is a child, you have to treat them. But once they're an adult, now they're a roommate. One day, parents, your child will become a roommate and you get to kick out roommates who aren't paying the rent or on the bills. Aren't you thankful? But hey, no, I'm, I'm glad. I like my kids. They both live with me. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I like them both. Uh, but I understand what it's like if you're in the struggle. One day, your kids are like so cute and cuddly. You go over together, and the next day they wake up and they have a demon. You think, you want me to come and cast the devil out of them? Like, who is this person, and how did they take over my child? We just got somewhere, and now they act like this. And yes, that is, that is, that is what happens. But we shouldn't be expecting that kind of behavior in adult relationships. Amen? So we don't want to be that person in an adult relationship either. That, that's the other part. So we need to recognize the hurt we caused with our sin because we violated love. Now, if you've promised your spouse a hundred times that you wouldn't do something because you know it irritates them and you do it again. Now, you know how irritating that is. And then you know when you point it out and they blame it on you, the thing that they've already repented for. And then you start wondering, was the repentance even real? Right? And so we need to recognize that when I, this person that I stood at the altar and I gave my life to, I gave my future to, and I said, I'm going to stick with you, whatever may come, and you just violated that by turning on them. It was we, but now it's you and me. You violated love in that. And we need to recognize that probably hurt. 
We need to recognize that we just caused pain to somebody with our decision to violate love. And, and, and so we, 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 need to, um, we need to recognize the hurt we caused, right? We need, to, we need to be in touch with that. We need to understand that. And we need to internally recognize it and repent. We need to make a decision to stop the behavior that we're turning from. We can't just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry doesn't fix anything. Like, hey, I just punched you in the eye, but I am sorry I did that. Like, what, what, wait, like, I'm not, re- I'm not turning away from it. I'm not repenting. I'm not saying I'm not going to do it again. Just saying I'm sorry, right? Like, well, you're sorry because I'm calling the police now, right? Like, and if you're in domestic violence, call the police and then call Jesus, right? In that order, call the police and then call on Jesus. Don't over-spiritualize domestic abuse. Amen? Amen. I hope uh, all you gentlemen out there getting beat down for hanging out or hearing me. Listen, that was, that was well, domestic violence isn't really a joke, so I'm glad you didn't laugh. But it was supposed to be a joke. Nobody's laughing online or in person. I'm just going to move on from that. <clears throat> Next step we need to do, and uh, do me a favor and leave the points up there if you don't mind. Uh, then here's what we need to do. Now, after we're done with the inside job, it's time for the outside job, right? Now it's time to go public with what's happening internally, right? Now we confess the hurt that we caused and we ask for forgiveness. You notice here, we're not confessing of what we did. So you come home for work and it's been a crazy week at the office. Maybe you got a new boss or maybe, maybe the, 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 the deal didn't go through or maybe they're working you hard or maybe you just hate your job, right? And, and you hate the fact that you have to have a job and you, maybe you just hate the traffic and you come home and then your spouse starts asking, your person in your relationship starts asking you all these questions, and you're irritated from work, and you blow up on them. And you would have said, well, you know, you asked me all these questions. You know, that, that's, you know, come on, just give me some room. That's why I yelled at you. Well, we know that's sin, right? We know yelling at your spouse is sin. And uh, someone asking questions is not sin. Being able to say, I- I'm going to be honest with you. I've had a really hard day, and I can't really think straight right now. I'm going to need a little time. Right? But say you do, you do the yelling and you blow up and you explode and, and, and then they say, oh, what are you yelling at me for? You yell back and forth and you say, okay, yeah, 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 fine, fine, fine. Yeah, I yelled at you. Like you just accomplished something. They already know you yelled at them. That's what they yelled at you for, right? And so sometimes we act like it's this big act of contrition that I just admitted what I did, which you just told me I did, right? Like I already know you did it. I've been, that, this, that's the point of this conversation, saying I'm not going to lie about the fact I did it is not a major step forward in, re, 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 in fixing the relationship. Amen. What we need to do is put a little work into the relationship now and say, what did my sin cause? Well, generally, I'm, and I'm talking to men uh, because this is who I mostly minister to, but men, we get loud to be aggressive and to put other people in their place, to intimidate them physically in that sin. We're not supposed to lord over other people. Wives, we often, we, I'm not a wife. I've never been one. I don't plan on becoming one, no matter what the state says I can do, right? I'm going to stay a husband. I identify as a husband, he, him, right? Uh, um, Wow. Okay, Uh, I'm going to reel this back in here. Um, Wow. All right. So we, <laughs> thank you, wives. 
I don't even think maybe I should even say anything to the wives now after all that. We have a, a, a we, again, as we talk about what you do, well, we, we have a, 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 there's this trend that wives can um, sometimes get a little like, I am going to wear you down with my words since you're trying to bully me or to keep you from bullying me, I am going to wear you down with my words. Some people call it nagging. So, you know, harping, not getting over it. And, and, and it's the same kind of aggressive, I'm going to push you into what I need you to do. I know we've talked about this 15 times, but I'm going to bring it up again in the hopes of wearing you down. That is a violation of love. You know what my will is, and you're trying to get me to violate it. Nothing wrong with saying, can we talk about this subject again? That's, that's, that's actually how you're supposed to do these things. Like, I know you said you don't want to do this, but this actually bothers me. Can we talk about this again? Can we talk about my reasons? Can we talk about your feelings? But So when we violate one another's boundaries, we violate one another's heart, our desires, this is, this is sin. And we don't need to confess necessarily what we did. We need to go, we do need to, but we need to go beyond that. I'm sorry I yelled at you and I tried to make you feel intimidated or that what you wanted to say wasn't important or that I'm somehow stronger than you. I don't want you to fear me. I, I, I apologize for being aggressive with you and I'm asking you to forgive me. We have to acknowledge what our sin has caused in the other person. And this is, um, watch this, we, we, know this, we know this in the Word. It says in James 5.16, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Now what that scripture tells us is that there's no effective prayers for women. No, that's not what it says at all. That's, that's not at all what it says. But what it, those two sentences are linked. And if we're not willing to confess our sin, our prayers are not as effective. Paul said, listen, if you're going to bring your offering to the altar and you know someone else is offended with you, go make it right and then give your offering. Now, a revival life, we want your offering either way, right? We need it in the coronavirus season. Paul has just got more financial faith than we do here. Just, we need, Paul was working in a different deal there. He didn't have Boca Raton real estate he had to pay for, right? Like, it's a different world. But the obligation to repent of sin is still there, right? It is, it's still, it's still there. And, and let me tell you, for us who are, consider ourselves mature, and I hope there's many who consider yourself to be a mature Christian, <clears throat> the, the, it is our job as Christians to recognize people's pain and bring the solution to their pain. We are to find people who are hurting and validate their hurt. If you were to say to people, why are you bringing that up again? Why are we talking that again? Why are you saying that most likely people do that is because you've never validated the pain that you caused them. You're saying, hey, can we just leave that in the past? You're like, I'd love to leave it in the past, but you have never helped me to put it in the past because the hurt is still in the present. I need you to help me put it in the past by recognizing the pain you caused me. Otherwise, every time we're together, I still see the pain I'm going through because you don't think it's important. This is important. We have to recognize the pain we cause other people, and that's just entry-level Christianity. That's just beginner's level Christianity. Mature Christianity says, I look for people who are hurting that I didn't cause the hurt to. And I see their pain. I validate their pain. And I bring a solution 
to the problem. Jesus said, listen, what I want you to be like is that Samaritan who saw the guy who got beat up on the side of the road. You didn't beat him up. You didn't cause his pain, but you are going to validate his importance as a person who is left on the side of the road as society goes past him. And you are going to stop. You're going to validate his pain. You're going to use your own money to bring him up to where he should be. You're going to tend to his wounds. You are going to make sure not just you are tending to his wounds, that the community gets involved in bringing this person along. You're going to tell the innkeeper, come on, we're going to do this. You're going to pledge, I'm coming back to see that he gets restored. This is what mature Christians do. Mature Christians don't say, well, that's not my problem. We need to just lord over you a little bit stronger so you can appreciate the place I've given you. That's not Christianity. It's not Christianity. Listen, in Christ, you don't have to wear a mask. I get that. But in society, you do. This is what we do in society. We keep other people healthy. I don't have coronavirus. I don't need a mask. But I don't know. And I want to say, hey, we're all going to wear a mask. That way we're all safer. This is justice. This is righteousness. This is what we are called to do as a church. This is what we're called to do as the church. Can you say amen? amen. So we, we, we recognize internally, wow, my spouse is screaming at me out of nowhere. Did I possibly just act like a jerk? Is it possible that I was... Worked up on the way home from work. I was worked up at work. I'm worked up walking through the door. My wife started talking to me. And it's not necessarily her fault that I'm yelling. Is it possible I'm the one who did it? And then I say, well, either way, I yelled. So I'm going to recognize my sin. I'm going to repent of the harm that I caused with my sin. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. And I'm going to tell them that I'm going to turn away from my sin. And then we need to walk in repentance to rebuild the relationship. Jesus said, go and bear fruit worthy of repentance. That means we need to try to put right the wrongs. And let me tell you this. If you have a spouse or you have a friend or you have, you're in a relationship, maybe your mom, right? Mom's a good one to have workout conflict with, amen? Maybe they only see the negative stuff. They never see the positive stuff. Maybe you've been working on something and they don't recognize the effort you've been putting into it. Is that, you ever been in a relationship like that? Look, look, I'm going to give you license to point out when you do things right. Right? Like, like hey, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I put my towel away. I, I just want to point that out to you. Because I know that it ministers to you when I get it right. And I know I've gotten it wrong a bunch of times, but can we notice that I got it right? And you could do that every day. Every single day. till the narrative changes that you never put the towel away right. You're going to help minister to some people's hurts, right? Your, your kids will get to an age where they um, have been fighting for certain things for so long, they forget they don't have to fight for them anymore. And you'll be like, bought your clothes again. That costs money that I earned. Just letting you know I love you. That's why I'm paying for these things. How are you liking the meal that I paid for here at the dinner table? We buy you food to keep you from starving because we love you. Right? Hey, look at this. The light turns on every time I hit the switch. It's because I paid the electric bill. Because I love you. Like, these are manifestations. That's why I'm doing these things that you say I do nothing for you. Like, I'm not trying to rub it in. I'm not trying to be nasty. I just want to show you that, like, you might be missing some of this other stuff. I'm giving you a ride now. I wasn't planning on driving to the mall. 
just swinging through the parking lot randomly. Like, I'm doing this because I love you, right? Like, we need to help some people who only see the negatives. We need to help them see the positives sometimes, right? Not in a nagging kind of put down kind of the places that you're hurt don't matter kind of way. Not in a, not in a, not in a, well, you can't ever complain about me screaming at you because I drove you to the mall, right? That's not what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about, hey, I want to show you that that's not all I am. I'm more than just that person who's gotten on your nerves. I'm actually loving you. And so, just like that vase that I'm not going to try to pronounce, this is what God wants to do in your relationships. He wants to heal the brokenness in a way that it shines like gold and brings glory to God. Can you say amen to that? And the most important relationship he wants to heal is our relationship with God. He wants to give us a fresh start, and that fresh start is only the beginning. It's only the beginning. It only gets better. Relationships only get stronger. My, my wife and I, we are very public with the struggles that we had for the first couple years of our marriage, first decade or so. And uh, we, we talk about it very openly uh, because it's amazing now, right? Like we have a really good relationship and, uh, you know, we're best friends and we talk a lot and we live together. But man, we have put in a lot of work in our relationship. And now where there was fracture, we see the grace of God that is healed. And it brings glory. And we can just share it with people. Hey, no, no, this is the problems we have. This is the, this is the issues we have. These are these is how we did, uh, you know, raising our children bad. This is what we've done wrong that God has shown us. And it just brings glory to God that he has repaired our relationships in this. But the greatest relationship he wants to heal is our relationship with him. That's, that's the greatest relationship. And if we don't get that right, none of our relationships are going to be right. We need to have a relationship with God right. And so let's all stand right now. We're just going to pray together before I bless you on our way home. And what I'd like us to do is we're all going to pray out loud together. I'm not going to single anybody out because I don't find that helpful. Uh, Jesus didn't do it, and I don't necessarily want to do it right now. I don't know if you noticed this, but when Chelsea was doing the offering, uh, she's so used to leading people in a prayer of salvation. When she goes to pray, she starts with, uh, repeat after me, right? So she, we were doing the offering confession, and she just started with, repeat after me. I'm a sinner. Like, no, I'm actually giving. This is good, right? And so, but we're just, to, you know, just to kind of, um, just keep our accounts short with the Lord. We're just going to pray a prayer of repentance for maybe, maybe sins that we have caused that we have not been mindful of like we should. Sins against God and sins against the people in our lives that we love. And we're just going to ask the Lord to maybe heal us, right? And if you struggle with forgiveness, next week we're going to go really deep on that. And we're just going to get your heart healed up. Amen? Amen. Let's all just pray after me if you would. Just say, Father, we love you. And I've sinned against you. And I've sinned against others. I've caused pain. And I've caused hurt. Please forgive me. I pray that you would send your spirit and wash me clean in your blood. I receive Jesus as my Savior. And I declare that I'm free from that sin. Empower me with your Spirit. That I can walk in repentance. Heal my relationships. And I'll give glory to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Can you give a clap offering to the Lord?
Thank you, Jesus. Hey, I want to thank you guys for joining us today. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, go ahead and text RLCJOIN to 97000. Also, we need you to serve. We need it in this day while so many people can't come to church yet. Text RLCSERVE to 97000. And uh, hey, love somebody near you and uh, just have an amazing week. I'll see you in life group. Amen? Amen. Thanks for everybody in the chat. Have a great day. Amen, amen, amen. Have a great day.